0: So I think for me, to raise the awareness, to have people thinking about this issue, maybe thinking creatively about how we can get better access to mental health services for all members of our population, you know, mental health is something that's very important to me.
1: So I don't think we were necessarily surprised. I think it is typical probably for um, neighbors to be surprised because there is no noticing requirement, um, and I actually would say that the reaction from these neighbors is not atypical in in situations like this.
2: A recent public comment at a Reno City Council meeting brought up an issue that took many people by surprise. The reason? A residential psychiatric facility is opening in a Reno neighborhood. That is, of course, creating a lot of questions for nearby residents and outrage. This feels
0: like a taking of our property, of our way of life, of our investment by the city, by the Division of Health and Human Services, and by the state. And it feels very disrespectful and very wrong on so many levels. But
2: opposition to the facility also drew considerable negative responses. People commenting online condemned what they called nimbyism and ableist attitudes by the neighbors who expressed concern. For this episode, we hear from one of the neighbors about why she is concerned. We also check in with Reno City Manager Doug Thornley about why such facilities can and do come to neighborhoods in Nevada. For This Week in Reno News, I am your host, Bob Conrad, with ThisIsReno.com. Special thanks to the Truckee Meadows Water Authority for sponsoring this episode. Summertime conservation is standard at Truckee Meadows Water Authority. It's what we do. And this year we can all prevent waste by keeping sprinklers off between noon and six. Get your
1: conservation reminders and more at smartaboutwater.com.
2: Jill Stockton lives in northwest Reno. She recently penned an opinion column in This Is Reno. She said she had grave concerns and a number of questions about the facility that is opening up next door to her. I spoke with her at length about the situation and why she responded the way she did.
0: Well, my husband and I discovered on April 18th, um, through our own research and our own exploration, uh, that a psychiatric residential treatment facility for severely emotionally disturbed children ages 6 to 17, which is a for-profit business, uh, would be going in to the home right next door to us. The home sold about 11 months ago and sat vacant for that entire time. uh, Up until the point of April 18th, when I was working from home, I saw a semi-truck pull up in front of my house and it was unloading a lot of heavy construction equipment, excavators, bobcats, etc. cetera. And so in seeing that happen, I obviously called my husband to let him know, oh, I guess somebody's going to move in or something's going on next door. They're going to be doing some renovation. And my husband being savvy and creative as he is He went ahead and pulled the permits. And when we pulled the permits, we learned that the city of Reno had issued a permit for this homeowner to add on a 1,923-square-foot addition, a two-story addition, um, to the existing home so that in total, when the home is complete, it will be 5,723-square-feet, nearly three times the size of other homes in the area. So in a nutshell, um, that's what's going on.
2: And you uh, posted a pretty pointed uh, op-ed on This Is Reno late last week. Thank you for thinking of us. I really appreciate that. And it drew a lot of negative comments. Um, Tell me what you're thinking about those.
0: Well, I mean, I think... You know, it's a sensitive issue and it's a complex issue uh, related to bringing commercial business into residential area. Large, in this example, a 6,000 square foot facility uh, is quite large in a residential area. I think it's, um, you know, unfortunate the name calling that happens online without true awareness and um, true research to understand the differences between what a group home is defined by Nevada revised statute and what a psychiatric residential treatment facility is, how that's defined. They're two completely different things.
2: And, and what, what are the what are the differences? Because I think some people have, have gotten lost in identifying. No,
0: so, and I'd have to go and pull um, some notes. I don't have my notes here in front of me, um, but let me see. I did pull up. Um, give me one second. I just put a bunch of links together. Here we go. From the Nevada division of health and human services. They, through the NRS it's four, four, nine. a psychiatric residential treatment facility defined. Psychiatric residential treatment facility means a facility other than a hospital that provides a range of psychiatric services to treat residents under the age of 21 years on an inpatient basis under the direction of a physician. So that is how the NRS defines um, a psychiatric residential treatment facility. And with regard to a group home, The state of Nevada regulates group homes and the city of Reno zoning code allows them in all residential zoning districts. Group homes are supposed to look and function like a single family residence. So they blend in with the neighborhood. Group homes are allowed by right in all residential zoning districts and no public hearing or no public notice is required. So that's the information that we got regarding group homes through Amy Pennington, who is Ward 5 Councilwoman Naoma Jardin's community liaison.
2: Okay, I'm, I'm not 100% clear on, on what it is or, or which, um, which is applying to the property next to you. Is it going to be a group home or a psychiatric facility?
0: On the permit, it's classified as a psychiatric residential treatment facility, but the use is a group home.
2: What is the concern? Are you concerned about traffic, noise, more people next door? What
0: We have several concerns. I think the biggest concern is related to no one being able to give the residents on this street clear indication of what this type of business entails and what it means for us. I think if we were to receive some information to help us understand if it's going to be a secured location. Are they going to have janitorial janitorial service providers? Are they going to have a building and grounds operation handling maintenance? Are they going to have a food service person handling the meals for the patients? We've been told only one RN and one technician will reside full-time in the home. The doctor that owns the home told us, a group of neighbors, that he will not be living in the home. So we just have really no information. And I think that's part of the problem. If there were some transparency in the communication with regard to the exact number of patients, the hours of operation, what we can expect, how many cars are going to be coming to and from, are they parking in front of my house, blocking my driveway, my neighbors across the street,
2: if I'm hearing what you're saying, it's really the the dearth of information the, or the lack of information and the lack of uh, the transparency, or I should say, yeah, the lack of transparency behind how this happened and the inability to get answers. Is that a fair way to summarize your concern?
0: I'm not opposed to what's happening. I would just like to have an understanding of what this means so that If my husband and I, with our two elementary age children, find out maybe this isn't the best location for us, we have the knowledge that we need to make an empowered decision to do what's best for our family. But at this point in time, no matter how we slice this, it's a losing hand. Either number one, we're listening to and living through a two-story construction project, 2000 square feet in size, dealing with the construction, the equipment, the contractors, so on and so forth. They complete the construction. Then we're going to have 10 patients, two full-time people living in the home with no idea of who's coming and going. Are they having visitation? Do they have psychotherapists, psychiatrists, occupational therapists, janitorial maintenance, so on and so forth, coming and going from this house daily? I do believe in mental health. I do feel we have very inadequate mental health resources available, given the high need within this community, particularly coming out of the pandemic. This is a serious issue in our community. And if they can run this operation legally, to code, following state regulation, and it's a no big deal, awesome. It's a win-win for all of us.
2: I want to. I want to address your commentary at City Council. We'll probably put a clip in in the podcast. Um,
0: it is very disappointing. I am right. very disappointed in Naoma Jardin, and I wish Jenny Breckus a right. lot of luck on, in your well, run for mayor. Me. Thank excuse you. Me. Um, yes. excuse me.
2: It's- Talk about your what you said and and why you said what you said.
0: Several of our neighbors reached out to Ward Five Representative Naoma Jardin. And we all had a variety of different concerns. And rather than Naomi Jordan to do the right thing, take a personal touch, make some connections with her constituents, she assigned the work to her community liaison and just basically blanket sent a form letter out to every single one of us. So, of course, because the neighbors on the street, around the block in, in this area are aware of what's happening and their concern, we started talking about it and people aren't happy. And Naomi needs to know that her residents aren't happy, that we're concerned. And if every two-story house that goes up for sale in this neighborhood is converted to a business, she should probably wanna be aware of that and be engaged in the process to work with her constituents and maybe find a happy medium with regard to what the process is, how to engage the public, how to listen to their concerns. Uh, It just felt very disrespectful to be disregarded by her. Same with the mayor.
2: I live around the corner from a, uh, well, what used to be a uh, youth or underage um, young women, teen girls uh, pregnancy facility. And I will tell you, until I potentially did a story on that facility about maybe two years ago, I don't even remember. We didn't end up doing the story. I had no idea what it was. And I will be honest with you it's in my neighborhood. It's a block away from where I live. Uh, I never see any traffic or anyone there. Like the doors are closed. It looks, I was shocked to find out this thing, you know, this facility was, was just around the corner from me. Um, what, what have you seen in your research about how these other facilities have been run? Let's say in Vegas, have there been incidences or any concerns or, or what's, uh, what's been the, the trend that you've Identified.
0: I do know that there is an investigation being conducted on how these types of facilities are run. How do I want to say this? I've already been called NIMBY Karen, so at this point, and an elitist, which is great. So it's fine. No matter what I say here isn't going to change that. It's it's sensitive. And I think what my motivation is in uncovering this and talking about this is to Ask the responsible parties to do their due diligence and make sure the doctors that are running these types of facilities are doctors in good standing, um, have generally, you know, good reputations. The credibility exists to indicate that they are worthy of practicing medicine such as this. But, you know, there is a concern that there are doctors that are interested in making money off of these patients that reside within these facilities. And in this investigation that the Department of Justice is looking into statewide here in Nevada, they are speculating that some of these doctors work to keep the kids sick so that they can get paid out by private insurance and by Medicaid. And I don't say that to sensationalize You can look the article up uh, yourself and see that for yourself, but that is a reality. That's a dark reality of um, some of these types of facilities. So I think for me to raise the awareness, to have people thinking about this issue, maybe thinking creatively about how we can get better access to mental health services for all members of our population, as I said earlier in this program, you know, mental health is something that's very important to me. Uh, we recently had a tragedy in our family that was related to mental health. So it's very difficult when people dismiss um, dismiss the fact that this is connected to mental health, but it's a bigger issue than that. This isn't a one-dimensional issue. This is a highly complex highly sensitive, highly divisive issue. And these types of issues are not comfortable to talk about. They're not comfortable to face. But from my point of view and recognizing that I have two young kids myself, you know, they're worth the fight. And it's worth me taking a little heat and being called names in the social media realm to get people to talk. They don't have to like what I'm saying. I'm not asking anyone to agree. I'm just asking people to think and question and question those in charge to, you know, do right by the constituents, by listening to them, by trying to engage with them, you know, as these types of facilities get located in residential areas.
2: What was your reaction to some of the comments that you saw online? You referenced it a a little bit.
0: Uh, I mean... I think you know me well enough to know we do have a personal, I have to disclose, I've known Bob for a while, but I mean, the comments, you know, they sing, but I also kind of get a kick out of it. I mean, it kind of just makes me chuckle because at the end of the day, my motivation is to get people talking and that's exactly what they're doing. So they can call me not in my backyard, Karen, Nimby Karen, elitist Nimby Karen, you know, and other choice adjectives to describe me, I'm totally fine with that. They're talking, baby. So just keep talking, keep talking about this issue, keep asking questions. And, you know, if we can just raise awareness and keep people talking, they can call me whatever name they want.
2: Your your column um has had thousands of views it's been the top trending since almost the minute it was published uh so for how many days is that now five four or five days now and um surprising me i i never know what's gonna be popular on this is reno i i tune in um or i i just check the trending stories about daily and this one is not moved <laughs> so i think i think you have a lot of interest um And uh, it it is, I think, a little unfortunate that uh, people aren't recognizing the, uh, like you mentioned, the complexity of the issue and are focusing on what I'm guessing is they're... um...
0: It's the mental health angle. It's basically saying to me, you don't want this there. You're not in favor of mental health. It's not a black and white issue. This is a Venn diagram with a lot of great overlap.
2: Would you say that this is symptomatic of Reno's growing pains? Um, you know, I, I, I remember a council member about four years ago said, uh, you're not going to recognize this valley in 10 years.
0: I would probably say yes. I think it's a combination of that. I also think it's a combination of West Hills closing. hmm The combination of our community growing and the city council allowing it to grow so rapidly without really doing tough investigation related to the infrastructure, the roads, the schools, the utilities, et cetera, et cetera. So I think this is what's happening here in this neighborhood is yet another indication of rapid growth, not enough time to pay attention to the particulars of what's going on. you know for speaking for myself and myself only it's like growing for the sake of growing we're just just grow 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 we need more people but even if you are a healthy resident that does not need to reside in a psychiatric residential treatment facility you can't see your own specialist in less than three months time in reno
2: In Jill's statements to the city council in early May, Reno city manager issued a letter explaining the legality of such facilities and why they can be in residential areas. Here is city manager Doug Thornley.
1: We did have a number of uh, folks show up. They were unhappy with the decision to issue a building permit to expand a, a residence out there in northwest Reno. Um, and it's a thing that doesn't come up very often, and so I think there are a lot of points of confusion because... Um you know it's it these residential treatment facilities exist at the confluence of federal state and local law um but but the long and the short of it is 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 that for any residential treatment facility in the state of Nevada that serves fewer than eleven um residents they're allowed in any single family zoned district um and the reason for that is 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 that um the federal government passed a series of laws that preclude discrimination in housing and, you know, one of the areas that those laws cover are, are folks with disabilities. So, um the, I'm drawing a blank on the acronym at the moment because I don't have a memo in front of me, but the Fair Housing Act, uh, prevents, prevents us from saying no, you know, these are the zoning districts where these, these people, uh, can live.
2: Right. And so in this memo that you recently issued to the mayor and the council, you you say that it is unlawful to deny a building permit for a home because it is intended to provide housing for persons experiencing mental illness. I think that's that's kind of a key statement here. Is that correct?
1: It is correct. I mean,
2: you know, I think there are a lot of things that
1: go into into these building permit evaluations. And so you know, design elements and things like that that are required through you know, the zoning district or the handbook, obviously uh, the the house is required to comply with those. But as a standalone reason saying, hey, you can't have a building permit to expand this single family residence um, within all of those design considerations and meeting all those standards for the sole reason that uh, people with disabilities are going to live and receive treatment there, that's against the law. We can't do that.
2: Now, uh, it, it seems to me that Uh, from what I've heard from the other side of this issue is that they were really taken by surprise. Is there a way that the city, are you considering different kinds of noticing or were you also taken by surprise by this?
1: Well, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Taken by surprise, right? I mean, we get, we get applications for building permits all the time. And so, you know, some part of the organization was aware of the intent to establish a residential treatment facility at this site. Um, so I don't think we were necessarily surprised. I think it is typical probably for um, neighbors to be surprised because there is no noticing requirement. Um, and I actually would say that the reaction from these neighbors is not atypical in, in situations like this.
2: Yeah. Um, is there anything that's going to change as a result of this coming out in the way that it did from the city's perspective?
1: Um we don't have any intention of changing anything at this time, no.
2: Okay, okay. Because um, when I heard the hearing, it sounded to me like this was like a brand new thing almost. Um, this is
1: this is not a brand new thing. I mean, the, you know, the state law was revised I think last in 2017, but a, a law similar to that um, or some analog of that law has been on the books for a long, long time. And of course, the the Fair Housing Act has existed in you know a couple of forms for the last 60 years Mm -hmm. um so you know the most recent round of um, of amendments was 1999 but this is not this is not new um now in terms of zoning controls and things like that and and litigation that has changed the shape and face of how uh how these things are are established that's been in flux more recently, I suppose. Um, you know, I think that memo that you have cites a, a Nevada district court decision from like
2: 2007, maybe. Um, yes, uh, the Nevada Fair Housing Center, Inc. versus Clark County in 2008. Right, and so the parenthetical that
1: you'll see in that memo says that, you know, the the, the federal district court for the District of Nevada, Judge Hicks at the time, he um, struck down Nevada's Statute, I think it was Nevada statute, or a Clark County ordinance that required that had spacing requirements between these facilities and, um, and registration requirements for these facilities. Um, and the, the the gist of the decision is, you know, we don't have spacing requirements uh, for other groups of people in residential areas. We don't have registration requirements for other groups of people in residential areas. And so singling out people with disabilities and requiring them to meet a different standard than other people who enjoy the, the peace and quiet and, and um, living situation of a single family zoned area is discriminatory.
2: Okay. Are are there any, uh, um, well, one of the concerns that I'm, I'm hearing from them also is that this is obviously a commercial business. Um, are there any concerns on that end or is that just going to be the nature of these things because of how these kind of group homes or, or treatment facilities are? I mean, obviously they're going to be run by a business to some to some extent. Yeah, I think
1: that's right. I mean, you know, they, they, many, if not all of them are um, commercial in nature, right? I mean, someone has to get paid to, to do this work. Um, and so, you know, the, the, there are a number of policy issues that I think go into it, although I don't know that they're within the, the purview of the city. You know, when you think about it and you think about what's the ideal treatment um, environment uh, for, for people with disability, it's, it's probably not an industrial area, right? It's probably not a business park. We, we want um, people to be part of the community. We want them to lead as close to, uh, you know, I think a quote unquote normal life as as we can possibly facilitate. And so, you know there are there are a lot of reasons for why the um, federal government, state government, local governments would would make it mandatory for zoning codes to accommodate these sorts of facilities in a in a residential zoning district.
2: Okay, great, great. Well, thank you so much. Is there anything else you want to add about this situation?
1: No, I mean I think you know this is it's a tough one, and it and it comes up. I wouldn't say frequently it, it it shows up in a number of of ways um but at 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 the end right it's it really is anti-discrimination provisions in federal state law that uh that obligate local governments to include facilities like this in residential zoning districts um people with disabilities are not you know, they're not the only people who, who fall under the umbrella or the, you know, the protection of this umbrella. Um, I'm aware of, another situation where, um, neighbors were upset about, um, the treatment facility and, and residential facility that is operated by safe embrace, right? So for, for people who are, um, suffering from or escaping living situations that, that are, are, rife with domestic violence, um, this issue takes sort of all forms and, you know, while I can understand the frustration of, of the neighbors, um, I do think it's important that we continue to protect our vulnerable populations by, by allowing, allowing facilities like this to establish in residential districts.
2: Yeah, one thing I said to Jill was um, I didn't know it until I was almost going to do a story on it but there's a um a U13 uh pregnancy home uh just around mm-hmm. the corner from my house. I mm-hmm. had no idea until somebody right. <laughs> raised an issue with right. something that had happened there and um yep. I was yep. I was frankly a little surprised but you know, I've never seen anyone there. I've never, I mean, maybe a car there once or twice. I mean, they've, right. they're awfully quiet and right. and I just wouldn't have known. I mean, I, I knew it was some kind of a, a group home or something because of the name, but um, I, I never knew quite what exactly it was until somebody had contacted us about maybe a year or two ago about something that was alleged to have yeah. happened there. But um, it it yeah. was a frankly a surprise to me. And so I, I guess I can see why some of these folks would be surprised by this popping up next door if they, you know, started bringing in tractors and whatever. Else. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, you know, I,
1: I, it's really it's really that. I mean, I think, you know, people would be surprised at how many of these facilities are around because I think in general, most operators try to be exceptional neighbors.
2: That's it for this week's episode. For This is Reno, I am Bob Conrad. Please visit us online, and if you are able, please subscribe to get full access to our website and to support local independent journalism.